excited because we are here. We are almost done with the Old Testament. So <laughs> I hope you guys are excited. Like, especially if you've been with us on this long journey, it's been amazing. Um, finding Yeshua and the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Um, and now we're in Zephaniah and Haggai. And there is so much that the Lord wants me to share. I hope you all are excited. I hope you all are ready. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go into a quick prayer. And then we're going to dive into this word. So let us pray. Right now, Father, in the name of Yeshua, I come before you and we just give you the highest praise, which is hallelujah. And right now, Lord, we say, come, Lord, come and be a part of this. Lord, I ask, Lord, right now that you allow me to decrease so that you may increase. Anoint my lips of clay that I may be an oracle of God. Let nothing I say be of earthly wisdom, but be of everything of heaven in the spirit. Lord, I submit my body to you. Holy Spirit, possess my body and use it in any way that you see fit. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will prepare the people's hearts and minds to believe and receive your word today. Lord, let the word be fire and people would and let them be consumed by it. Lord, I pray right now that you would just have your way. I decree and declare that the kingdom of God is here, that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's in Yeshua's mighty name I do pray while the presence of the Comforter of the Holy Spirit and my prayer partners agree and said with me because they believe and receive it. Said amen, amen, and amen. All right, so let's go to Zephaniah chapter 1, all right? Now, I want you to go with me to verse 6, okay? We're going to go to verse 6, okay, because I'm going to show you a little bit of where Yeshua is. Yes, I am. But I also want you to see something because a lot of this is about God exposing his character, his nature. That's why he's revealing it to the prophets. The prophets are to communicate God's will, but they're also to communicate God's heart, his mind. They are to talk his character. Okay, so I want you to see this. All right. We're going to start here, all right? Because God is talking about who he's going to put his wrath upon, right? He's going to come against these people. He's going to come against that. But verse 5 is something very important. Now, look at this. And them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops, and them that worship and that swear by the Lord and that swear by Malcolm, Six, and them that are turned back from the Lord, and those that have not sought the Lord nor inquired for him. Now, hold on now. This is very important that I want you all to understand. See, a lot of people believe, oh, well, I'm a Christian, so the wrath of God and certain things that God does on the earth has nothing to do with me. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. Okay, you're saved by the blood of the Lamb. This is true. But you need to understand something about the Lord here is that the Lord is saying that he equates them that are turned back from the Lord and those that have not sought the Lord nor inquired of him. So this is this is the key part that people miss, especially during the pandemic and everything that's been going on, is that a lot of people say, oh, well, we just need to come together and pray. 
No, again, look at the scripture. Scripture says, and I know I say it all the time with you people, but I never get tired of this verse. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and heal the land, right? Key word, it says seek, right? Okay, so here the Lord says those that have not sought the Lord, nor inquired of him. So guess what, guys? Especially we as believers, we have a responsibility as well. Our responsibility is not only to have a good relationship with the Lord, but our job is to seek the Lord and to inquire of him. What does inquire mean? It means to investigate or to ask questions of him. That's why the scripture says, if any man lacks knowledge or lacks wisdom, let him ask who? God, right? So, and I see a lot of Christians, whenever they inquire about God, you inquire everybody else except the one who says, you are to inquire of me. You see? So this is the part that I want you to understand in Zephaniah, is that God is saying, hold on now. Yes, I'm going to come against the unrighteous, but I'm also going to come against those who are righteous, who were supposed to do what I asked them to do, which was seek after me and inquire of me, means wanting to learn of me, okay? I hope you all are understanding that. See, I just taught y'all something, a little bit about God. God wants you to inquire about him, not just to seek after him, but to inquire, to be curious, to ask him questions. If you don't believe me, go back to Moses. That's good. Moses, the reason why God revealed himself to Moses was because Moses inquired about the burning bush. He wanted to know why is that bush burning and it's and it's not being destroyed. See, it's the same thing. You know how people say curiosity killed the cat? Well, not with the Lord. The Lord loves when you're curious. God loves it when you want to inquire, especially about him. And when you do that, that touches his heart. So then he reveals himself because that's his nature. That's what he likes to do. Now, Let's go to verse 7. Now, this is really amazing. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice he hath bid his guests. And it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. Now, what does this mean? All right. So, if you pay attention... Seven, it says, he, the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. Who is that sacrifice? Well, that is Yeshua right here. So here it is that the Lord is already prophesying to Zephaniah that, look, there is a day where I am going to directly get involved. That's what day of the Lord means. Day of the Lord means where the Lord is directly involved. Yes, the Lord is involved every other day, but this is a special day. This is a day where the Lord says, all right, I'm going to take matters into my own hands and I'm going to fix the problems or I'm going to fix everything. I'm going to place judgment, but I'm also going to fix it. Now here, have prepared a sacrifice. So here it is. We see the confirmation of John three sixteen 
in Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 7. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Here he is. Prepared a sacrifice, he had bid his guests. And it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes. What does that mean? Punish the princes and the king's children. What does that mean? These are all confirmation later on in the New Testament, especially in Colossians. What does the scripture say? We battle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and dark powers and rulers and things like that, right? So when it's saying the Lord sacrificed that I will punish the princes, what are the princes? The princes are principalities. These are demonic spirits. So on this day of the Lord, God is going to come against, punish the princes and the king's children. What are the king's children? The king's children is a reference to um, those who have followed the world. They followed um, the principalities. They followed the dark rulers. So now they're the offspring of demonic, if that makes sense. The king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. Now, a strange apparel means that they have worshipped other gods. They, they, they have, like, for instance, when the Lord um, in the Old Testament, uh, talking about Mount Sinai, Aaron's two sons brought up what God called strange fire. Fire that was used to sacrifice the altars and things like that. Okay, so when God is talking about strange apparel, he's talking about apparel that is not what he clothed us in. Glory to God. So, Because if you read in Revelation, it talks about us being clothed in what? In white. Being clothed, in, put on the garment of praise. Oh, I hope somebody is hearing this. Meaning that the Lord views anything that is not what he put on you as strange apparel. Okay? So on this day, he's going to punish the princes, the king's children, and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. Okay? Now... I want I want to stop there for a minute, okay? Because now I want to move forward a little bit, okay? Because it talks more about the day of the Lord. In fact, I want to read 14, okay, real quick. Because if you remember, if, if you read in Matthew, if you read in Luke, when it describes the crucifixion of Christ, it describes the the clouds getting dark, it, it describes earthquakes, it describes everything, right? Okay, look at what Zephaniah sees. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Do you see that? So Zephaniah literally has a vision of the crucifixion of Christ. He can literally see it. He sees the clouds. He sees everything that, that, that is going on. So let me tell you something that's really amazing. Because the fact that he said it is near, people have to understand this. Zephaniah was almost a thousand years before Christ even came. So why is he saying it is near? Why is he saying that? Well, because what is a thousand years to God? If you pay attention in scripture, he is the ancient of days. A thousand years is a day and a day is a thousand years. 
So what God is showing, God is so great that even though it's a thousand years from now, he's showing Zephaniah as if it's happening, it's about to happen. Because in God's eyes, it is about to happen. Oh, I hope you understand this. Please do not try to put God on your time because he is outside of time. He's in eternity. Mm -hmm. Eternity is not just a place, it's a realm. It is a place beyond where time and space, because time and space is created out of eternity. Oh, I hope you, I hope you understand that. Because when Adam and Eve were first made, they were never made to die. They were made to be eternal beings. It took them over hundreds and hundreds of years before they died. Oh, I hope you, they had to learn how to die. And the fact that the human race has gotten so good, what is the average lifespan of of a male and a female is about 90 to um, 80 or so. And yet people in the Old Testament were living to 150, 180, almost 200 years old. Come on now. Uh, Lord, give them revelation. I hope y'all with me. Mm-hmm. So here he sees it. Okay. And the day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. So God is not just showing him when Christ, like the day of the Lord, when, when he's crucified, but he's also seeing when he's coming back. God is showing him all of this at once. And that's why the scripture, it sounds so confusing. But if you know and pay attention from the New Testament, because we the Gentiles, we got the New Testament first. We didn't get the Old Testament. We got the New Testament. But when this is why going back to the Old Testament is so important. Because you're seeing that these prophets, God is revealing his plan, his master plan, that yes, my son is going to come. Yes, my son's going to die. But he's also going to come back and he's going to fulfill all the promises that I have spoken, not only over Jerusalem, but over the entire world. Man, someone needs to give God some praise for that, that God is going to always keep his promise. He is not restricted by time nor space. All right. So I'm going to stop there. I'm going to go to Zephaniah chapter 2 real quick, okay? Now, I want you to see something in case some of you don't believe God's promise. Look at this, all right? I want to go to verse 13, okay? Now, remember, we talked a lot about Nineveh, right? We've talked about Nineveh last week. We talked about it in Jonah. Okay, check this out. And he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria and will make Nineveh a desolation and dry like a wilderness. Another prophet is prophesying now against Nineveh. Okay, now this is something very important. 20 years after Zephaniah gives this prophecy, Nineveh is destroyed. It's historically documented that 20 years after this word was given, Nineveh was completely destroyed. So God kept his promise that he would destroy Nineveh, okay? Now, why is this important? 20 years. 20 years, believe it or not, is one of God's um, judgment numbers. It's not just one of his judgment numbers, but it's one of his completion numbers. Whenever he wants to complete something, he always does it in about 20 years, okay? And the Lord even gave me this revelation. 
what what happened like cuz i know we're in november now but when it was september when we were in 911 when when did 911 start it was 2001 correct what we just celebrated or not celebrated but we just had the 20th anniversary of that about 20 so what did god complete in that 20 year time frame uh, I'm I'm giving prophetic significance now. Let me get off of that. Because right now, I want you all to pay attention. This is what you have to inquire the Lord about. It's been 20 years since that significant event. So what is God trying to accomplish? Or what did God accomplish during that 20-year time frame? Well, I know for some of us, some of us started celebrating Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur for the first time, especially in this year. So that was a significance, but the Lord has so much more in store. I hope everyone is with me thus far. So now let's go to Zephaniah chapter 3. Now this was part of the homework. And I can already feel down in my bones that some people, see I used to be a teacher. I used to work in a classroom with students. I can already tell that some people on here did not do their homework. It's okay. <laughs> We're going to read together real quick, okay? If you did the homework, it's okay. Now, I want y'all to see something. We're going to go to Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 13, all right? We're going to break this down a little bit. Look at this. The remnant of Israel... Shall not do iniquity, nor speak lies, neither shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth. For they shall feed and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shall, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of, Israel, of Jerusalem. The Lord taketh, hath taken away thy judgments. He hath cast out thine enemy. The king of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil anymore. Now, hold on. Right here. In that day. In what day? In that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear thou not, and to Zion, let not thine hands be slack. All right. So let me stop right there real quick. I'm going to go into 17 and all that in a minute. But I want you to see some. The remnant of Israel. What is the remnant of Israel? The remnant of Israel is, and God is so prophetic. It means the remnant, another word for remnant is residue, what's left, or product of. Let me tell you what the remnant of Israel is. We are the remnant of Israel. We are the results of Israel. We are the leftover from Israel. Every believer, this the Lord is talking about the glorious church here. This is what he's talking about. And when, and this is what Zephaniah sees. Zephaniah sees the remnant of Israel shall not do iniquity. Which means, again, if you read in Revelation, when it talks about the glorious bride of Christ, that she is without blemish, she is without blame, and, and all the other stuff. This is what Zephaniah sees. He sees the glorious church, the remnant of Israel. Nor speak lies, neither shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth. For they shall feed and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. What does that mean? That means that these, that, that the remnant of Israel, they shall feed and lie down. What does that mean? Feed and lie down. What does that mean? 
that means that, yes, they are going to take part, but they're also going to feed others. And they are going, that lie down means rest in the Lord. That means that they're going to know how to have communion and fellowship with the Lord. Now check this out. And none shall make them afraid. Why? Because the love of God casts out all fear. These, the glorious church is going to be so powerful and so entrenched in God's love that nothing is going to make them afraid. Nothing can stop them. This is the part that the church needs to get into because again, perfect love cast out fear. And what was Yeshua's command? That you shall abide in my love just as I abide in the Father in his love. And right now the church is not abiding in the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge and understanding. That is the key to become this glorious bride that even Zephaniah saw. But but again, the church is thinking, oh, it's just going to happen. We're just going to become the glorious bride. No, flesh creature, you got to put in work to become the glorious bride. You have to love the Lord and you have to allow that love to envelop you and abide in it. Okay, and you can start right now. You can experience a power of the world to come just by saying, Lord, I want to be in your love. Just say that right now, Lord. I want to be in your love. Just tell him that right now. Tell him in the comment. Tell him in the chat. I want to be in your love right now. Okay. Now, and again, this is talking about, again, the end times. This is talking about in the book of Revelation. You have to read Revelation in order to understand some of what Zephaniah is talking about. But this is what I love is that 17... The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Now, hold on now. This is what happens when you experience or you receive God's presence, okay? This is what happens when he is in the midst. But this isn't even just God's presence. Remember, some of you, I have told this and I've taught you this before. The presence of God means that God is near. It doesn't mean that God is in the room. His glory means he's in the room. This is talking about glory. God in the midst means he is in the room. He's present. Check this out. What happens? He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his what? Love. Come on, somebody. We just saw the confirmation of this word right here. Oh, who caught that? Did you see that? When you envelop in God's love, what happens? When you are in his presence, when he is in the midst, he will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. Which means he is going to be so happy to see you. He's going to be so happy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. How many Mm, of you know that the father will sing over you? How many of you know that when you wake up in the morning and there's a song that's being played in your head or there's a song, especially if there's a song that's in your heart and it's directed at you. How many of you know that that's the Lord singing over you? Mm-hmm. Ah, I'm hitting people with some deep revelation here. It just mm-hmm. said it right here in the word of God. I'm not making this up. Mm-hmm. When the Lord and you allow him to envelop you every morning Every day, this is what he promises to do. He will save you. He will be happy. 
you will have rest. And I'm talking about that real rest. Mm -hmm. How many of you know you can sleep all night and not have rest? Come on now. I'm seeing some people right now. You went to sleep early and then you got up and you still didn't feel rested. Because you still have stress. You still had worries. You still had concern. Who here knows what I'm talking about? You go to sleep, but you still got that worry. You still got that fear. That's mm-hmm. not rest. But what the Lord is talking about, rest in his love, knowing that everything is okay. Mm-hmm. Talking about that peace. Talking about, I don't know why, but I had the best night's sleep and I still got a hundred million things to do. But I feel good right now. Why? Because I know that the Lord is with me. I know that the Lord is going to back me with it. And then my favorite part, he will joy over thee with singing. I love that. I love that the father is singing over me. I love that the father wants to sing over me. Because how many of you know, it's not just an honor for us to sing to God. But don't you know that God will do the same thing? He will sing over you because there's something about singing. There's something about music that is so powerful. In fact, I'm going to give you a revelation. Who here wants a revelation from the scriptures right now? Mm-hmm. See, I haven't even touched Haggai yet. I'm about to. But who wants to, who wants to receive this? I need to see some active people right now. I need to see some hungry people right now. Glory to God. The reason why music is so important to God, singing is so important. Did you know that it drives back demonic forces? It drives back Satan's agenda. It drives back the kingdom of darkness. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. The proof of this is what happened when there was a bad spirit on Saul. He asked for what? a skilled musician to come in. He knew that the only thing that can get rid of this demonic spirit is music. And what did David do? David came in and played what? The harp. He played something that was played in God's throne room. God loves hearing the harp, the lyre. He loves the string instruments. And what it does, it drives back the demonic forces. So when the Lord is singing over you, he's literally pushing back every demonic assignment that Satan has for you that day. Somebody give God some praise for that. That when he sings over you, he is pushing back the demonic. Amen. And then this last part, and then I'm going to move on. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Behold, at that time, I will undo all that afflict thee. And I will save her that halted and gather her that was driven out. And I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. How many of you know I have never seen the righteous be put to shame? Those, it's written in scripture that not only have I never seen the righteous forsaken, nor have I ever seen them put to shame, but all those who place their hope, their faith, and trust in the Lord will never be put to shame. Mm -hmm. The Lord is literally saying, I am going to fulfill my promise. Even the places where you were ashamed. I will put praise and fame. Shame is not going to last forever. Though some of us might feel shame, some of us might feel embarrassed for some degree, but that thing will not last. It's not going to last if you remain faithful and trust the Lord. 
Isn't that good news? Isn't that wonderful? Mm-hmm. I'm done with that. Let's go to Haggai now. I want to go to Haggai. And I want everyone to receive something of the Lord right now. Okay? Now, Haggai is a little different. Haggai is, again, a prophet. But what is Haggai's thing? Haggai wants to rebuild the temple. This is his thing. So he actually sees the temple being rebuilt. And he's actually encouraging the Jews, his brethren, to rebuild it. He's trying to encourage them and to remind them what happened when the temple was built, how Israel was prosperous, how the presence of the Lord was dwelling there. That's what they want. So now they're asking God, you know, Haggai is trying to tell them, hey, rebuild the temple. It's going to be rebuilt. It's going to be rebuilt. God is going to do something amazing. But we have to do our part. This is what I love with Haggai. Is that again you see God's nature. Do not just take these scriptures as scriptures. These are literally displaying and showing you how God operates and how God works. Here it is. Haggai is saying yes God is going to rebuild the temple. But we as the people of God have to do our part to build it. God will give us the tools. God will give us the resources. God will give us the strength, the wisdom. He will give us everything we need. But we just have to say yes to build it. I hope you all are understanding that. See, God doesn't need much from you. A lot of people is like, well, God needs all of me. Yes, he does. But sometimes God only needs you to say yes. Mm-hmm. Believe me, there were things that God showed me. I did not want any part of it. Believe me, I did not see this <laughs> in my life. I did not see this as my career plan. I didn't see it. All, But all the Lord had to do was ask me and all I had to do was say yes. Even though I didn't understand it all, even though I didn't want to do it, but I still said, not my will, thy will be done. Right now, just say that to the Lord right now. Not my will, mm-hmm. but thy will be done. Because why? Because what that does is, you know what? I'm not, I may not have been into all of this at once, but how many of you know that when you grow in the Lord, he changes your heart. He changes your mind. Because <laughs> there was a time where I didn't want to preach to the nations, but then God over time gave me that fire and the desire to preach to the nations. So don't just think that your yes is for you now. It's for the you later. Mm, That's good. I hope you all understood that. So now let me go to Haggai chapter 2. Okay. (sighs) And I want to start at verse 5. Okay. That's where I want to start. Check this out. Okay. According to the word that I covenant with you, when ye came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. How many of you know that when the Lord, look at what he said. He said, my spirit remaineth among you. Guys, this is the old covenant. He said, the spirit remaineth. What? Among you, it doesn't say it's in you. We 
the New Testament, the New Covenant, we have an even better one. God, the Spirit of God is not only among us, it is in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. This is the Holy Spirit he's talking about. He said, when ye came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear not. So if the spirit is just among you, fear not. What should it be because the spirit is inside of you? Oh, I hope you caught that. If the spirit is inside of you, the same thing applies. Fear not. Fear fear not what? Fear not your destiny. Fear not your call. Fear not the plans, the visions that God is giving you. Fear not the business endeavor that God is giving you. Fear not the ministry plans that God is giving you. Fear not the plans that he has for you. Fear not because the spirit of God is in you. He's not just among you. He is in you. So now you have even more help. You have even more than what these people had. God made a covenant that he would be with them. He said, the same covenant I made with you when you came out of Egypt, the same covenant I still keep. Fear not, for I am with you. But now we have something even better because now the Spirit of God is inside of us. So now God is not only among us, he is inside of us, giving us the skills, the knowledge, the ability, the power to do and carry out his will on the earth. Come on, somebody. Yes, Lord. God gave us a more powerful and even more precious covenant. Now, look at this. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Does it say I'm going to fill this house with my presence? Mm. No, it says his glory. Again, Haggai is having a vision of the end time church. He's seeing the glorious bride because how many of you know he's seeing I will fill this house with glory. What is this house? What is this house he's talking about? The house is you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are now the dwelling place of the Lord. You are now the place where God wants to dwell for all eternity. Come on now. God is saying, I do not want another house. He says, I do not want. He said, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. What kind of house can you build for me? But this kind of heart I choose to dwell with. A a humble and gentle heart I choose to dwell with. Come on now. This is what he's saying. God is promising, I will shake all nations. How many of you know that the Lord even said this? Yeshua said, until the gospel of the kingdom reaches all corners of the world, then the end will come. Because then that message will then lead to the glorious church. Check this out. I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory is what? Not just his presence. It is the entirety of himself. As soon as the glory touches anything, it reaches maturity. Yes. God is saying, when my glory fills my people, they will become complete. 
They will operate in sonship. They will operate in divine power. They will shake the heavens. Come on now, go and read Joel 2. I'm connecting all the scriptures right now. If you have been paying attention to the study, this should not be new to you. This should all be like, wow, this is all speaking to me all at once. Because it, it should be because this is the living word of God. You are living in the word of God right now. You are becoming the glorious bride. Even as you are receiving the revelation of this word. Yes. You are receiving the promise of this word. Mm -hmm. Yes, we are. It says, I will fill this house with glory, saith Mm. the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. And the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. What is gold? What is silver? What are these things he's talking about? He's talking about the possessions of which you've earned from him. Spiritually. How many of you know that you can earn silver from God? You can earn gold from God. You can even earn things more than gold. Amen. If you don't believe me, go read in Revelation where Yeshua himself said, buy of me and I will give you gold tried in the fire. Come on, somebody who is getting this. Mm. God is saying everything that I give you is mine. Silver is mine. Gold is mine. Revelation is mine. Power is mine. Anointing is mine. So if you need anything, who should you go to? The world? No, but go to the most high. Mm hmm. He said, the silver is mine, gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, check out chapter 9. Now, I'm about to blow y'all away with this one. Who here wants some more revelation? Are are y'all done? Are y'all ready to go home? Uh, Are are y'all done? Or y'all want some more? Amen. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, give them revelation. Here we go. I love my live studio audience right now. (laughs) I'm going to go... Two, right now, verse nine. Look at verse nine. This is so powerful. Read this. What does it say? The glory of this latter house. Mm. What is the latter glory house? What is the latter house? That's us. Woo. We're the last ones. Amen. The glory of this latter house. So again, Haggai is seeing the glorious church. Shall be greater. Then of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Oh my goodness. What does that mean? Mm. Amen. What does that mean? Give peace. Do you see that? The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former. So take what you read in the Old Testament. Everyone remember Moses. Everyone remember how glorious that was, right? He was able to part the Red Sea. He was able to turn water into blood. He was able to do all those wonderful things, right? Okay. Now look at Elijah's glory. Wasn't Elijah so glorious being able to call down fire from heaven? Mm. Wasn't that glorious? What about David? Wasn't he glorious? He had the spirit of might upon him. He never lost a battle. He was victorious in every battle. Wasn't that glorious? What about Solomon? What about Samson? What about Ezekiel being able to raise up an entire army from the dead? What about Isaiah? What about, come on now, who is getting this? What about Jeremiah? What about all these wonderful characters in the Old Testament? Wasn't that glorious? 
What about Yeshua's ministry on the earth? Wasn't that glorious? He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out devils. He brought the kingdom message. What about, what about Peter's ministry? Wasn't that glorious? What about Paul's ministry? Wasn't that glorious? So powerful that he could take off his robe, hit anybody with it, and if they were sick or demon-possessed, they were set free. He could cut off a piece of his cloth. Anyone who touched it got healed and delivered. Wasn't that glorious how Peter's shadow, as soon as the shadow touched them, they got healed? Wasn't that glorious? Wasn't that amazing? Well, times will take all of that and times it by a hundred because that's what God is saying is that this lighter house will be greater than the former. So everything that you read about in the Old Testament, everything that you read about in the New Testament, this new church, this glorious church that God is raising up will be greater, will be stronger than all of them because it is God himself, it is the Son, and it's the Holy Spirit Three and one, the yeah. glory, the entirety of it all coming into one being, coming into one church, which is the glorious bride of Christ. Somebody Amen. give God some praise. Amen. Amen. Oh, yes. That's good. Glory. You are part of the latter house. You are part of the greatest Woo. move of God that is ever going to hit the earth. Mm-hmm. Some of you, I feel bold enough to say that some of you, you are going to walk like Moses walked. Except you're going to be greater than Moses. Oh, who, y'all ain't talking. Hallelujah. You're going to walk like Elijah walked, but you're going to be greater than Elijah. Yes, Lord. You're going to be like Ezekiel. You're going to be able to raise an entire army from the dead. Except God is going to do something. I truly believe this. I don't care. I believe whole cemeteries are going to be raised up. How would you like it if during a move of God that you are leading and God says through you, I'm going to raise up the entire, I'm going to raise up three cemeteries mm. Hallelujah. just to show how powerful I am, just to show the people that I am the most high. Witchcraft can't raise nobody from the dead. Nah. Uh, you need to give God some praise. Amen. God. Thank the Lord. What if God tells you that during you're having a crusade at the beach or something, you're having service at the beach. Some of you know where I'm going with this because I already gave a prophetic word about this. Keep a lookout for what KPG is going to do in the following years. But what if during the crusade, there's a devastation, there's a shipwreck during that time? And people are trying to call the Coast Guard and whatever. And the waves are, they're getting rowdy and all that other stuff. And you have the ability to walk on the water and go rescue anybody who needs rescuing just to show people how powerful God is. I know I'm talking about some weird stuff. It's okay. I'm not talking to the present you. I'm talking to the future you. Call this an investment. Hallelujah. I'm talking to the glorious bride of Christ. I'm talking to the latter house. Yeah. I'm talking to those who will walk in unspeakable power and glory. I'm talking to the Joel 2 army. I'm talking to the army of God that is going to shake the nations. Mm. Just like this word said. Thank you, Lord. Lord, say, I want to be a part of this. Just say that right now. If you want to be a part of it, just say, Lord, I want to be a part of this. Amen. I want to be a part of this. Hallelujah. 
Are are you hearing this here? Are you receiving something? Are you learning something? Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, Lord, where do you want me to go? I'm going to go here real quick, okay? Whew. I am excited. Who is excited about that? I can't wait for what the Lord is about to do. The Lord is about to do some unspeakably crazy things. Unspeakably crazy things. In fact, yes, Lord, I'll do that right now. I want you to go with me. We're going to go to the New Testament real quick. I want you to go to Exodus. Okay? We're going to go to the Old Testament real quick. I want you to go... Yes, Lord. Yes. I want you to go. I want to make sure. Yep. Trying to make sure I got this right. I want to go to the Old Testament. Yes, I do. And I want you to go... Which part do I want you to go to? Because there's so much. I want you to go to Exodus chapter 34. Okay. I feel the glory of the Lord right now. The Lord loves it when I start talking about things like that. Lord, I just pray that the fire of God will just fall on your people right now. Fall and consume their hearts and minds right now to believe and receive this. I'm almost done, I promise. Are you there? Exodus 34, 10. Look at this. I feel it. Look at this. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all thy people. I will do marvels. Does that say marvels in your Bible? What does it say? I will do marvels. Miracles, marvels. Such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord. For it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee. That terrible, that word terrible means great. It means extravagant. It means amazing. That's what terrible means. So here it says a terrible thing that I will do with thee. Now, hold on now. I want you to see something. I want you to understand this. Because if you pay attention to this, okay? Remember, now let's go back to Haggai. Remember how I said the latter house will be greater than the former? So God made a covenant to do marvels with Moses. Such as has not been seen in the world, nor was it seen in any nation. In order for God to keep that promise to us, he has to do things that he has never done before. Oh, I hope you caught that. Even in the Bible, Mm -hmm. John said, Yeshua did so many things that we couldn't even write it all. So is it possible that what God is about to bring that's new? It's not witchcraft. It's not, oh, God is doing some hocus pocus. No, it's that God is fulfilling his covenant of marvels. I'm doing things that you ain't never seen before. 
But the problem is because well, the church doesn't have that understanding, it's chalking everything that God is doing to witchcraft. As soon as God does, please, you know what, Lord, I just want him to do it just one time just to show how crazy the church is. Let me be in a pulpit somewhere, be preaching the gospel, and let me just levitate in front of everybody. And let everybody say, he's a witch. <laughs> y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Let me be preaching somewhere and the Lord just decides to lift me up in the air in front of everybody. And it looks like I'm walking on air. Everybody's going to say, that's witchcraft. Mm. No, flesh creature. Did you not know that that's a sign of heaven? Yeshua levitated. Elijah levitated. We just call it levitation because that's what witchcraft people call it. But what I call it, what the scripture calls it, is resurrection power. I want to be so filled with the resurrection power that that's what happens to me. I don't even have to control it. God just does it. How many of you know that God wants to do things like that to show I am who I am? And I know the church right now, they're like, oh, God doesn't want to do that. God doesn't need all that. Did you not read in the scripture where he said that I will do amazing things to show the nations who I am? Yes. You're not going to win nations by just giving a word of knowledge. I'm sorry to break it to you, church. You're not going to win nations just because you know how to operate in the Holy Spirit. Just because you know how to give a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. Just because you know how to prophesy. Just because you know how to operate in those gifts of the Spirit. They are wonderful gifts. But God says it's going to take more than that to shake nations. The nations want to see the Lord himself in you. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Just right now, just say to the Lord, Lord, make me a co-laborer. God is looking for co-laborers, but he's looking for people who understand how to have a relationship with him, how to have a fellowship with him, how to, again, some of these people, see, I'm going to show you how lazy the church is. The church just wants the glory to fall on them. And and, and they want to talk about, oh, the glory of the Lord is here. And they want to manifest the glory. Flesh creature, how can you manifest something that you yourself have not set foot in? The reason why God hasn't started a revival yet, the reason why God hasn't started, in fact, this isn't even a revival. This is a reformation. This is a new move. God said, I'm doing something new. This is a reformation. This is a revolution, whatever you want to call it. This is a new move. And God said, the reason why I haven't started it fully yet is because my vessels ain't strong enough to carry that glory. They don't have the right hearts. They don't have the right mind in order to carry it. Because as soon as I release this glory, it will crush them. Because they're not conditioned for it. The church is not conditioned for it. That's like saying, I feel like running a marathon tomorrow and you didn't do nothing to train. Oh, no. Don't do that. Exactly. You went, you went to the Cheesecake Factory the other day and you want to talk about doing a marathon. Uh, not today. Y'all ain't talking to me. Y'all ain't trying to be real with me. Hallelujah, though. It ain't even just a marathon. What? What's that thing called? The Iron Man, where they gotta do the swimming, they gotta do the running, they gotta do the hiking, the biking. That's like doing that tomorrow. And ain't none of y'all. I'm speaking for myself too. Ain't none of us conditioned to do that. Mm-mm. 
You have to train your body and your mind to do that kind of thing, right? The same thing goes for the spirit. You must commune and fellowship with the Lord every day. You must dwell in the glory of his presence, not just the presence, but the glory of his presence every day so that your heart and your mind is conditioned for the weightiness of the glory of God that is about to come. Stop being lazy. Stop being slowful. In fact, that's what he's talking about right here. Haggai is talking about. He says it right here. In 18, consider now from this day and upward, from the four and 20th day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Why? Why does he say that? Because he's considering the right motives. He wants, he's trying to tell the Israelites, if you're going to build this temple, make sure you have the right heart when you do it. Otherwise, if we build it, what good is it? God isn't going to want any part of it. Mm. If you don't believe me, go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ugh. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I promise. I'm going to stop shouting at you. But I hope you are all learning something. Are you there? Ephesians chapter 6. That's in the New Testament. Verse 6. Are you seeing this? Look at this. Not with eye service as men pleasers. But as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. The heart is the key. If your heart isn't right, I don't care how much you tithe. I don't care how much you offer. I don't care how much you volunteer. I don't care what club you are part in in the church. I don't care if you're part of the deacon board, pastoral board. I don't care what you're a part of. If you are not serving with your heart, if your heart isn't right, God is saying mm-hmm. that I take no part in that. Thank you, Lord. You did all that work for nothing because your heart wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. You earned nothing. That's like working all the hours that you work at your job without clocking in. Because you understand that if you clock in, that's how you get paid, right? You clock in, you do the work for however long, and then you clock out, right? And then what does your boss do? Sees how much work you've done, how long you worked, and then that's your payment. God is the same thing. He's a businessman. You clock in with your heart. Mm, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> and it says, if you're going to serve, if you're going to work, you're not serving a pastor. You're not serving an apostle. You're not serving a prophet. You're not serving anyone. You are a servant of Christ. Do it as if you were doing it for Christ himself. Mm. Whether your boss is a good boss, whether your boss is a terrible boss, the scripture is clear. Serve as if you're serving Christ himself. Serve with a heart of excellence. Serve with the spirit of excellence, which is the Holy Spirit that is inside of you. And serve with your heart. Yes. Hallelujah. Serve. What what does it say? 
doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as the Lord and not to men. Do you see that? You're doing the work for the Lord. Right now, if you are working at your job, you are doing that for the Lord, not for men, not for your employer. Oh, y'all missed that. And what happens is the church has lost sight of that. These preachers that are up here preaching, these pastors, whatever, so-called apostles, and they're not even apostles. I'll tell you that right now. But they're up on here preaching and doing all that stuff. They're preaching for the people. But you should be doing it for the Lord. The people should just be the, should just be the benefit of when you do it for the Lord. When you have a heart set for the Lord, he will bring the people. He will bring, the Lord even taught me this. It's not always the quantity, but it's the quality. Amen. Whoop, whoop. That's good. Glory to God. Because I know preachers who are on the scene with a much bigger church than me, much bigger ministry, got thousands on their staff, but they ain't preaching what I'm preaching right now. They ain't preaching that fellowship with the Lord. But yet they can go on stage and do that spinning and twirling and shouting that ah, and the organ start playing and the Holy Spirit ain't even move. Doing all that for show. Because you're trying to do that for the men. You're trying to do that for the people instead of doing it for the Lord. The Lord ain't impressed with that. The Lord ain't moved by that. How many of you, while y'all doing that shouting thing, how many of you got people healed? How many of you got people delivered? How many people declared the kingdom of God in that area? Your church is dead center in the middle of all the chaos, but you didn't bring the kingdom of God into that area to bring change, to bring down the principalities and powers that run it. Let me get off that. Y'all got me going somewhere else. Right here, eight, look at what God says. Look at what the Lord is saying in his word. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Do you see that? And Yeshua takes it to another level. In the scriptures, he said, whatever you have done to the least of these, you have done also to me. Which means if you say, Lord, I do this in your name. That's the key. Even if you give a glass of water to somebody, God accounts that. Because you've served in love. Right now, get back to that. Serve in love. Yes. Serve with gladness. Serve Serve that glass of water to somebody as if you were serving the Lord himself. That's the mindset you got to have. That's the mindset of the glorious church that knows how to have a fellowship and relationship. I'm I'm done right now. I'm I'm about to pray for you all. But did you all learn something? Did you all receive something? Wasn't that exciting? Well, we're going to go back to Zechariah. Um, That's going to be next week. Okay, and again, I hope people do their homework. I assign homework, people, I'm trying to help you out here. Don't just come here and be spoon-fed the word. Go 
and feed yourselves. Amen. We Thank got grown Lord. people here. Yes, we do. I'm trying to raise up kings in this ministry. I ain't trying to raise up babies. Mm-hmm. If you want babies, go to the neighborhood church down the street. <laughs> if you want to operate in the kingdom, stay connected with KPG. <laughs> I'm going to show you. Now, I want you all to read something. I want you all to read Matthew chapter 11. Verses 20 to 30. Okay. That's the first one. Matthew chapter 11. Verses 20 to 30. Okay. That's the first thing I want y'all to read. Okay. And then. We're going to go. To. Zechariah. Chapter 3, and I want you to read verse 1 to 10. That's your assignment, okay? I want you, again, Zechariah chapter 3, 1 through 10, okay? So, that's that. And then Matthew... Once again, so that's Matthew chapter 11, 20 to 30, okay? And Zechariah chapter 3, 1 to 10, okay? Sounds simple enough. Read that, and if you want to read more, go for it, okay? I'm just giving y'all places to start. That's it, okay? But I'm going to pray for you all right now. And then we're going to be dismissed. And then you can enjoy our fellowship time. All right. Thank you, Lord. So let us pray right now. Father, right now in the name of Yeshua, I just come before you and I just give you the highest praise, which is hallelujah. And Lord, right now, I just lift up all those who are here right now. And Lord, I pray right now, Father, in the name of Yeshua, that you will just touch the people's hearts and minds right now. That Lord, I pray that this word that it will just produce much fruit in their lives so that they will lack nothing in their destiny. Lord, I pray right now that you would just continue to show us your ways, that you will continue to show us your heart. I pray, Lord, right now that your fire will just continue to consume us, that your holy fire will consume our hearts and minds, that, Lord, that you will just continue to mold us and shape us into the men and women of God that you have called and that you planned for us to be. Lord, I pray right now that you will take the books that you have written about us and that you will open them and that you will align our lives on earth with what is written in heaven. I bind and rebuke all satanic agendas. I bind and rebuke all demonic activity in the people's lives right now in the name of Yeshua. I loose right now healing. I loose right now the power of the Holy Spirit. I loose right now the kingdom of God right now into the people's lives right now. And I pray, Lord, right now that you will take their hearts and align it perfectly with you right now. Lord, I release right now humble and meek hearts, faithful hearts. I pray right now, hearts that are set on you right now. And Lord, we just give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We thank you. Hallelujah. 
for not just what you've done, doing, continue to do, but most importantly, for being who you are. For there is no one else like you. Lord, we love you. We adore you. Thank you and praise you. In Yeshua's mighty name, I do pray. While the presence of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, Baruch Atah Adonai HaEl HaKadosh, for thine is the kingdom, power, and glory forever and ever. I decree and declare, and my prayer partners in agreement said with me, because they believe and received it, said amen. 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 And amen. Glory to God forever.